Hey, everybody. Before we get to monthly medicine goodness, I just want to remind everyone that my offering, The Threshold, which is an intuitive download for the year 2020, will be closing for enrollment on December 31st at midnight Eastern Standard Time. So if you want to get a hold of this offering, if you're interested in this, um, I would recommend that you go for it now until it is gone forever. (laughs) So that's, again, closing at uh, midnight Eastern Standard Time on December 31st. And another reminder that my um, upcoming intuitive course, Inner Voice, is open for enrollment, will be until January 9th, and has changed and become uh, far more robust and exciting. For those of you who didn't know that, previous Inner Voice was a self-guided journey that was going to stay open for enrollment indefinitely. Now, um, it is a six-week intuition course running from January 10th to February 14th. Um, there are three Q&A roundups with me. You'll have access to an unmoderated community message board. Um, there's way more for your investment in this course. Um, there's more structural support in place, greater ability to check in, to ask questions, and to receive guidance. And the rest of the course remains the same. You're just getting more for what you're paying for. So if you're interested in going on an intuitive journey with me into soul-centered intuition, this course is going to be very powerful. And if you're interested in that, you can sign up. Both The Threshold and Inner Voice are available to purchase on my website, lindsaymack.com, or you can just click the links in the show notes. So if you're interested, uh, now's a good time to check them out, especially The Threshold, before it goes away. So thanks for listening. Bye. This is Tarot for the Wild Soul, a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth, hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. Welcome, Wild Souls, to a new episode of the podcast and our first monthly medicine episode of 2020. We are really in, in it. (laughs) We are in it and coming in hot, and there's good reason. I mean... These last few days in Hangman have been nothing short of uncomfortable. We are firmly fixed in this eclipse portal, which is really just a term to describe the time between two eclipses. We'll end in this kind of portal in um, on January 10th, 2020, on the full moon lunar eclipse in Cancer, which is a very big event. And um, the really powerful thing about this time and what, you know, I've shared, many other people are sharing, but have it has specifically been repeated many times on this podcast and on my various channels, is shit is getting real. Shit has gotten real. We're out of time, kind of officially, to step up stop whatever nonsense, whatever bullshit, whatever old patterns, cycles, habits, things that we reach for that we've known for years that, you know, don't serve us. Um, it's just time. And it's not because anybody's mad at us or because we've done anything wrong or bad. It's just time because we're being called collectively and personally to rise up and really come and show up on the planet as we promised, you know, we would. 
that, you know, we really bring what we came to the planet to bring for you to do what you came here to do. And so even the last two days of 2019 are very important because the hangman's job is to help us complete cycles and to make us hang out until we do it. And it's doing it for us because the hangman really is, hangman really does all the job of the death card. And if you're not familiar with the order of the major arcana, hangman is number 12, death is 13. So the hangman does really the death work. It does the work of our shedding. It um, is responsible for helping to gently, but very persistently break the ego's control down and helps us to hold the pose, so to speak, so that whatever is not meant to come with us can do so. So we can think of the hangman as the leaf on a tree that um, through colder weather, through storms, kind of stays on the tree um, until it's ready, until a wind comes and the leaf goes. And that's the end. And all that buildup is hangman the wind that comes and finally takes the leaf, that's death. So it's not to say that death isn't a very, very big deal, but Hangman really prepares us for that. So 2019 has really been just a colossal death year. And not only is 2019, obviously, of course, want to honor that not everybody acknowledges 2019 as being a new or 2020 as being a new year. Like not everybody acknowledges January 1st as a new year. It's what I'm going to be talking about because that's what I acknowledge. But as always, just bowing to um, the total inclusion of all. So when I say terms like the new year, um, it's always honoring and holding a space that is not everybody's new year, <laughs> of course. Um, so when we think about the idea that we're heading into 2020, that it's a new decade, it's a new year, it's also really a new era and a new paradigm. Things are going to change in 2020 that will really shift the way we um, experience life on the planet. And it, those changes will continue to unfold. And many of them are very exciting. And many of them are also going to come with their own challenges. And if we're really being honest with ourselves, we've known this for a long time. And if we can look back on 2019, we can really see, uh, I probably say this more often than not, but truly at this time last year was a completely different woman, completely different woman. And not in a romantic sense, like, oh my God, I'm a totally different person. Like I have been dragged <laughs> up mountains, through mud, through the deserts. I mean, I've, there's been a lot that's changed in me, a lot. And I'm very grateful for it. And it's also been important because I've recognized what it has meant to step forward into this new year. Um, really, ideally, unencumbered by some of the things that were taking up space. So while you might see me and think, well, she seems the same internally and really externally, it's really a completely different story. And so I invite you to look back, you know, where did you start this year? It might be tempting to be like, I'm the same. I guarantee you, you're not. So it might be interesting to think about the kind of invitations, the things that have come forward for you. 
very exciting time. And eclipse portals are really intense and powerful and all that jazz because, um, and even though it's really just 12 days, it's not too long, um, as of today, the 30th or the 29th, um, so a bit longer than that because the eclipse portal ends on January 10th. Um, eclipses are just such intense mirrors. <laughs> They're just so intense and really, really reflect to us all of the stuff, even stuff that we just didn't even know was there. It eclipses will be like, Hey, let me dig past what you can get to. You know, they're like, um, construction things. I don't even know what you would like caterpillars, you know, like those things <laughs> that you dig with diggers. I don't know. Um, Oh, wow. Um, but it's like, um, yeah, like using a tool to really dig and to get very deep in the earth, maybe deeper than we can get with our shovels or maybe deeper than what we can get with our hands and really just excavating all of this stuff. And the, the beauty of eclipses, it, it sucks and it's also great. And the suckiness is kind of the intensity and the confronting nature of what comes up during eclipse portals. The great thing about them is that we, A, get to be free of them, and B, it allows us to do more rapid-fire accelerated expansion than we might normally do. It just allows for so much to go and go for good. So the more we can be open to that, the better. In terms of... January, we have a lot to get to, but even just in the two days leading up to the new year, it's pretty big. Um, the theme for the month is radical rebirth. And um, rebirth is a word that I think was probably good reason and also with some, you know, some warranting for the, <laughs> you know, it's overused. And I think um, to a funny degree and also to an appropriate degree, you know, there's an oddness to it because we really are always going through these life-death-life cycles. Um, and to the mind that really sees everything as being quite linear, it can be very helpful to touch back into root back into the truth, which is that we're either dying or we're birthing in any moment that we're alive. And when we can understand that life moves in cycles rather than in one straight line where we're either in a shitty time or a great time, it can really change the way that we understand the ebbs and flows of our day-to-day. -day. Radical is a way of describing something that is profoundly extraordinary. It is um, without shame. It's without smallness. There is a sense of wonder to it. There's a newness to it. There's a uniqueness. Um, a radical rebirth is a rebirth that is extraordinary, that is of something higher, that is of greater expansion, that is reaching further, that is going deeper. Um, radical rebirth is the only way to describe a month where we're going through the kind of astrological transits we are, where we're stepping into emperor energy from hangman, where a new decade is, um, moving forward, where we, 
are going to be moving through cards for the month that are extraordinary and completely representative of the power that we're really moving through, um, it's a profoundly powerful year, 2020. And it's kicked off by an equally powerful journey through this month. This month is a month where if you're planting seeds in this month, there's enough magic power kick behind the energetic potential of this month that you could be um, basically eating from the fruit of those plants, you know, from the trees that they grow into for years from now. Huge, 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 major, um, very, very big. The, um, really there's no way to kind of overemphasize that we are all dying in 2019, shedding, leaving behind who we were. And it is really let go or be dragged time because we are, you know, I used this terminology before really out of time. 2019 has been one wake up call after another to, you know, um, systemic oppression, to prejudices, to ways in which we are profiting or somehow um, complicit in systems that are robbing of the whole, fascism, uh, you know, I could go on and on. Um, the environment, literally with the climate crisis, we are out of time. This is just what's real. And there are some people who feel that this is not very spiritual. And I say that there could not be more spiritual communication than this. A spirituality is no good to anybody unless it really, really reflects the reality of what's going on. The fantasy of things happening and there being some kind of, um, you know, deus ex machina that comes in at the last minute and fixes everything is, is fantasy. It's not true. We're it. <laughs> you know, like, we're the prayer. We're the things that we're praying to. It's us. And that kind of... Uh, commitment, that kind of courage, the courage that it requires to show up on the planet as your whole self awake, paying attention, aware of um, the stuff that you have put off, that you've not wanted to deal with, that you've not wanted to see, that you've not wanted to acknowledge. We're done. Like, time's up. That's it. So now that we're out of time, there's no place to go but into rebirth or to be dragged. And so I invite you to pay attention. I invite you to look really closely. This is a very, very important time. Huge, huge evolutionary invitations. These astrological transits of this month alone are life-changing. There are emergent opportunities to wake up to and evolve. We have received countless gentle taps on the shoulder from spirit. We have received millions of psychic phone calls. We have received little nudges all day, every day. We've all been woken up at night with them kind of saying like, hey, we've all received these little communications from ourselves. It's time to get really, really just brutal, you know, with, with love. Time to get just very clear. This is the beauty of Capricorn, seeing straight. Are you meant to be with the person that you're with? Are you outgrowing your partner? Are you staying in a relationship because it's safe? 
because it's what makes sense to you because you don't want to rock the boat. And I'm not saying that you should leave a partner. You know, only you can make that decision. But let's be honest with ourselves. Is it true? Are you still in alignment with the people that you're working with, that you're spending time with, your friends, your coven? Are they your people? Or do you want them to be your people? Does the place you live, now honoring the fact that I am a colonizer in the United States and honoring the fact that many of us listening are colonizers of this country of Turtle Island, I say this again with enormous respect. All of us are very lucky to be here and are on stolen land. So honoring that, which is very important, are you living in a place that actually nurtures and supports you, supports your mental health, supports your physicality? Are you in alignment with the land as much as you can be if you're living on stolen land? Or are you there because you kind of want to make it work? Are you there because you want it to be the place? What might be out of alignment about that? Are there other ways that are out of alignment for you? Are you just serial dating without really knowing that you need to take time to be with yourself until you're with another person in a relationship? Are you, what is your relationship with money? What are the things that you haven't wanted to deal with in your business or um, with your taxes? Like, I know that's very stressful, but that's, that's all Capricorn too. Just really looking at these individual pieces. And I'm sure you have stuff of your own, maybe with your children or maybe with, you know, your caretaking, your parents, like what, whatever is the stuff that you don't really want to deal with. And we're doing this in a way that is measured. It's not meant to overwhelm the nervous system, but we're bringing it up. I'm bringing it up because there, you can actually make changes. January is radical rebirth. <laughs> like this is the time to change it, to get really fucking clear. Because if you're not, it's just going to get popped up in your face and it's just going to be harder. So if you can come to it from a space of just simply saying, okay, you know, these are the reasons, this is the why that I've been staying here, that I haven't really been able to notice this, to see this, you know, whatever. And now I'm willing to see it. Now that you've seen it, you don't have to necessarily move, get a divorce tomorrow. It's just about really acknowledging like, yeah, it's not in alignment. Okay. You know, can I be open to something different? Can I open myself to that? You know, we're seeing the more we are little microcosms of the whole planet. And what is happening with the climate crisis is a big reflection of some of the ways that we work with ourselves. Um, we often do not pay attention to what moves through our bodies. We often ignore, you know, we don't even have a sense of that's again, we're not poisoning ourselves the way the earth is being poisoned by corporations. I'm not implying that, but it is a powerful practice to look in the mirror about that and to say, you know, what is in my life that is not in alignment? What are some of the ways that I'm moving through the world that are not in alignment? Radical rebirth. It is radical to leave a partnership, a marriage, a relationship, to leave a friendship, to quit your job, to say, no, I, you know, I'm so grateful for what this brought me. It's not in alignment. It is radical 
to say, I want this place to work, but it doesn't, and I'm willing to move. It is radical to say, you know, um, this feels right to me. This doesn't feel right to me. I'm going to call in support for this. I'm going to finally say yes to that. Very, very, very radical steps. Radicalness requires courage. It requires strength. It requires stamina of self. This is not some flimsy idea of rebirth, not to say that birth in any form is ever flimsy. It is no joke, but you know, very often rebirth is kind of talked about, like it's this like hatching from an egg and it's so easy. You got to die to get there. So this is, it's, it's a big deal. So the radical nature of it is what we're focusing on. You know, we've gotten all these taps, these little nudges. Now we're getting pulled up and moved into a new iteration of our lives. And it's time to grow. It's time to grow. It's time to grow. It's time to let go or be dragged. And you are going to get dragged if you are not in willingness to let go and grow. And I'm not saying it to be fatalistic. I'm saying it because it's just blunt. It's just the reality. You know, it is. Um, this planet can't support victimhood anymore in so far as folks who are in their victimhood and are actually in a place of empowerment and possibility. Of course, there are those that are in deep suffering. That's not what we're talking about at this moment. This planet really cannot support um, people who are not willing to do their work anymore. That's just what it is. And so, again, it's not to be blunt or to be too harsh. It's just the truth. And the truth is sometimes really blunt. Um, it's really time to go, let go of what's been long since dead. If you're into some idea that, like, the more you try, the more you push, the more you put in effort to make a relationship work or a friendship or the more you... I kind of try to squeeze a square peg in a round hole. Sometimes for those of us, it's really powerful to remember that um, sometimes the act of squeezing a square peg in a round hole, like if we're living in a place that just does not work, it just does, it is not working for us, um, or we're trying to make something work and, and it, it clearly doesn't, or it's clearly having effects on us that are not in highest and best or whatever, Sometimes it can take a while for us to understand that it's not really that we're resisting moving or being open to a different place. It's that we are really um, attached to the story that we're people who squeeze square pegs and round holes. That for some of us, that's our love language. It's how we feel worthy. It's how we feel a sense of accomplishment, that we like hard stuff. I can totally relate to that. And, um, for many of us, as the planet continues to, um, move through its stages of extinction, which we are absolutely in right now, um, you know, the beginnings of a mass extinction and a huge climate crisis. And again, that's just the truth, spiritual or not, it's what it is. Um, we're not only feeling the grief of that, but it is a very confusing time just in terms of where to live because so many of us are not on the original land that we 
came from. And even those of us who are colonizers often had to leave the lands that we were on, not because we wanted to, but because we had to. So nobody feels at home. Nobody, I'm in no way, no fucking way saying that anybody who is um, a settler in America deserves anything. But it is um, really important to acknowledge that a lot of us feel like we don't really know where to go, that there's no home, you know, and that's um, actually quite universal, that really all of us are feeling that because everyone has been separated from home. So there's this sense of internal homecoming that's being called forward right now as things begin to slowly start to re-regulate and rebalance. It'll happen over, you know, hundreds of thousands of millions of years um, on the planet. And we may not be here for it, but just very powerful to look at what is the root under the root under the root? What are the things that... Um, what are those stories, those processes? Like if we're with somebody and it's just not working, but we really love them, um, why? Other than the love, which is so clear and so pure. But if that person isn't matching us, meeting us, if that person is maybe even causing harm, if there's um, cycles that make us feel unloved, that feel dysfunctional, and the person is not you know, working on it or not really available. Like, what is the story there? And I'm not judging it. I'm just saying it's important that you look at it. You know, what is your why? Can you imagine being with someone where that, it, it could just be a little easier there? You know, is that possible? I'm not saying that it is, but is it possible? Can you imagine? Sometimes that's the key. It's just recognizing like, whoa, I think relationships maybe have to be this way. How interesting radical rebirth, really, really checking in. It's going to be scary. There's going to be things that we're going to realize like, holy shit, I've lived my whole life believing it has to be like this or like that. And we will really be able to determine, I don't know how it could be different, but I'm willing to consider it could be really powerful stuff. So whether we've kind of paid attention to it or not, a, a new life and a new kind of era has really grown up around us. And it's time to walk into this new life and take a look around. It's time to stabilize our foundations for a new level of support. It's time to get clear on where we can, um, if we have privilege, what we can do with that privilege. If we have um you know, can we pay reparations? Can we pay? You know, there, there are so many things that we can do. Um, if we're really in need, can we ask for what we need? Is there greater support? Can we call? Like, there's so many ways that things are going to change, even starting in this month. And it's very powerful to know that that invitation of radical rebirth is available to everyone. But again, it's not light. It's very strong. So it's... Uh, important to caretake the feelings that can come up around that stuff. So in January, we travel through two tarot cards. Uh, we travel through Capricorn season and Aquarius season. So we're going to be working in the devil and the star. We pass through one to the other and there are secondary cards there. Um, you know, with Capricorn, we always consider the world with, um, the star. Of course we consider, the fool for Uranus. We consider the world because it's ruled by Saturn again. And, um, in this way, 
the the devil card is always a liberation. And I like to say in my classes that anytime we pull the devil card, it really means we're doing everything right. Because if we're scaring our brain, and if the brain is kind of inviting us into these, um, you know, into fear, into shame, into the whispers of, you know, something might be wrong, you know, you might be a bad person. If it's inviting us into old addictive patterns or into things that pull us off our path, distract us, there's a couple of really amazing things that happen with that. The first is that we get the opportunity to get clear about what those things are so that we can bring some, you know, clearing to them so that we can process and embrace them and get clearer about our patterns and cycles. And the other thing that happens is that we get a chance to be free because the other piece with the devil card that's extremely important is the liberation, again, that comes from us balking and fiercely letting go of the expectations and especially the prejudices and expectations of people who are closed off about themselves and thus want us to be closed off. Like if we are queer and deeply in our expression of our queerness or of our, um, of our gender or of our non-expression of gender, you know, wherever we happen to find ourselves on that spectrum. And if we are encountering, you know, or have encountered in our, in our, childhoods or in our growing up years, obviously, I know people who like tremendous um, prejudice and violence and um, so much hate comes upon us for any expression of sexuality, gender, etc. But um, the devil card will often come up to be able to say, you don't have to carry that internally you can let that go. You can let go of any expectation, anything you've inherited that has been passed on to you by others about how you should be different. You should be ashamed. There should be, there's something wrong with you. And even beyond those um, experiences, because as a queer person, I go through that all the time. Um, in even in and of myself, that's pretty much a daily thing. <laughs> it's like devil work. So I can imagine that it is for the rest of y'all who are listening to this, who are queer folk in some way or another, you have been through that. Obviously, everybody's experience is very different. Um, but even if we don't identify, you know, with any aspect of that spectrum, everybody has stuff that they think, well, if they knew this about me, it would really be, and we're letting go of all that shit. Nobody's perfect. No one's got it figured out. Everybody has stuff to learn. We're here together. It's a radical wake-up call. So the devil brings up all the things. It can also bring up all of the um, all of the feelings of huge internalized stuff, internalized misogyny, internalized homophobia, internal internalized um, uh, self-hatred, all of that stuff. So we can clear it, clear it, clear it. The devil is also the world, which means that, again, it's doubling down on this idea like you don't have to carry this anymore. Sorry, Capricorn is ruled by the world. Sorry. Um, that's that Saturn theme. We just don't have to carry it anymore. So you don't have to carry it anymore. It's not to say like it'll be gone. But again, we're talking about working on things, looking at them, looking at them clearly. Aquarius, um, 
you know, there's such a powerful shift, even in the astrology, once we start moving into Aquarius, um, our new moon in Aquarius, Lilith entering Aries in the month of um, January, just there's different themes, different energies. And Capricorn as the mountain goat, you know, one of the biggest things that Capricorn figures out in their lifetime is that they can climb any mountain, but what mountains do they choose to climb? They can give their energy to anything more strongly than any other card in the tarot or any other sign in the zodiac. And certainly the devil has power that's very unique. But are we chained to this power? Are we enslaved by this power? Or are we stepped into our own power? You know, so very important, powerful, powerful things. We'll talk more about the star, obviously, in February. But um, yeah, very strong, very powerful, um, energetic wake up calls here in a big way. Um, so some of the astrological aspects for January, they think are worthy of mentioning and, you know, is that January 3rd, Mars enters Sagittarius. So it's really nice because Sag is a mutable sign, mutable fire. There's a lot of opportunity, energy, a lot of movement that's possible here. Um, we may find, um, if we do not experience Sagittarius in a very, um, big and impactful, like if Sag energy doesn't sit very well with us, we may still feel, um, some really nice energetic boosts from this. Mars being in Scorpio has been pretty intense. It's one of my natal placements and it's pretty intense. So, um, Mars likes being in Sag, you know, it's good. There's a connection in terms of fire. Um, and we also want to think of it as Mars is ruled by the tower and Sagittarius is ruled by temperance or basically taking tower energy to temperance. We're taking and clearing out everything that is false or in or rather out of alignment about our spiritual practices. If something doesn't feel right for us, if something doesn't resonate, if we are um, engaged in practices that don't make any sense for us, if we are um, in appropriation, if we are letting our brain really run the show and um, spirit is like, hey, I want to help you out here, <laughs> um, the tower will bring all this beautiful lightningy goodness to be able to clarify for us because the tower is not only not always a, a violent or difficult experience sometimes it's just beautifully liberating there's just so much clarity and more you practice being in the tower i think the easier it can become so um yeah just this really beautiful clearing and um there may be some feelings of like restlessness, like we have so much energy, we don't even know what to do with it. So it can be very powerful to channel that back into, um, you know, in an aligned way, like what's in front of you, what's important, how can you give over some of this energy and surrender it up, those experiences. Um, on January 8th, Jupiter conjunct is conjunct the south node. Um, and again, that's really, really important and very, um, you know, again, kind of doubles down on this idea that we're bringing this really fresh, um, new energy of potential Jupiter to old stuff. 
South Node is past lives. It's old karma, if you want to use that word. It's it's um, cyclical patterning that lessons that we've you know accumulated that we're devoted to learning, and it not only um, is an invitation to let go and tune into something open to something greater than ourselves. Uh, but all that Jupiter energy is really allowing everything to expand really exponentially. So that's really huge. And then on January 10th, we have the full moon lunar eclipse in cancer, um, which, you know, anytime we're in an eclipse, it's just like drudging up, clearing up so much. It allows so much to come up and go so much to come up and be, um, you know, clarified. There's a lot of mirroring in eclipses. And um, this one most likely will be intense. So it's very wise to soften into what makes sense for you, what supports you. Um, the idea that this is in cancer, it's calling us into this idea of um, eclipse energy, you know, lunar eclipse energy, especially meeting an energy that's ruled by the moon. And we can think about that in terms of the chariot. So the chariot is ruled by cancer. And this full moon lunar eclipse is, is kind of like bringing the high priestess jacked up in an eclipse energy to chariot. And chariot, you know, I've talked about the chariot so many times on this podcast, but really it is the realization that there's something we've been holding onto that has to be shed. There's something that we've been holding that like looks good, feels good, some old covering that's been really important. Cancer energy needs that covering, needs to have a certain measure of like, this is my protective space. And I don't know if I want you in here past the protective space. Cancers are always negotiating that. It's very important for them to know that they have the freedom to do that. But for all of us, chariot is an experience where we actually get to leave line one of the major arcana, the line of kind of feeling like you know what you're talking about, <laughs> feeling like you have control over things that you kind of do not, and stepping into the realm of the void, of the spiral of the unknown, which is harder because we're undoing ego after cancer energy, you know, after the chariot in line two of the majors. But it's incredible because it winds us up in temperance where we really understand how to live in alignment with both our free will and the energetics of spirit. So there's a lot of really strong energy there. Um, the moon will also be opposed to the sun, Mercury, Ceres, Saturn, and Pluto. There's a trine to Neptune as well. So there's a lot of opposition to this moon, which is really, we're going to feel most likely, but again, it's okay. <laughs> you know, it's all right. But that kind of leads us up to the mainer, or, um, and there is something right after that. January 11th, Uranus goes direct. So this is like freeing the fool from waiting at the starting point. And then, and it's significant because then most of the major planets will be direct at that time. So again, that speaks to this idea of huge forward momentum. You know, there's just so much forward momentum in 2020 and in January period. Um, but it really starts to cook up once Uranus goes direct. It always can feel funny when you're going from retrograde to direct or from direct to retrograde, but, um, allowing that to kind of unfold at its pace is really important. But 
all that's kind of leading us to Saturn conjunct Pluto, which is definitely one of the largest events of the year and of the, the past several years, um, you know, as in past few decades. Um, it's a very major event. Um, and it's a string of conjunctions, really too many to name. There are multiple planets that are joining Saturn and Pluto in that conjunction. Um, there's a lot to say about Saturn conjunct Pluto. Many things in history when Saturn conjunct Pluto have happened. So the beginning of World War I, the Roswell mystery uh, also happened at that time. The CIA was created during one Saturn-Pluto conjunction. Um, McCarthyism, the homosexual offenses order in 1982 came into effect in Northern Ireland, Ireland which decriminalized homosexuality for those 18 or older. Um, there is really like thing after thing after thing <laughs> that um, has happened in terms of um, very large uh, global scale, cross-continental um, things that we've obviously understand uh, affect us to this day. Things that have had a ripple effect of um, on massive proportions have happened during Saturn-Pluto um, conjunctions throughout history, and those are just like very few of them. Um, other, you know, I'm not an astrologer, but there are a lot of people who really know what they're talking about <laughs> who could tell you more and definitely lots of websites um, that would clarify some of the things that happened historically during that time. Um, so personally, for us, we're talking about the world and judgment coming together in a conjunction. Very big. The lessons the stuff that we have been called to do for a certain number of years, whatever cycle has been, you know, um, dictated to us, we're coming to a close with that cycle. That's the world card. That's Saturn is the Lord of karma, um, so to speak. And, uh, the purveying planet of lessons, tasks, stuff that we're supposed to do stuff that we don't want to do, but is important for us so that we can be available for new beginnings and cycles so that we're doing our soul work. So where we are, what we need to face and being free of it, actually being able to be liberated from that. The world is very joyful. It's really, it can be challenging because we're clearing a lot out, leaving things behind, but we're finished with something. And Pluto means that whatever we're finished with, whatever needs to be faced, whatever it has been drawing under the surface is going to be uprooted. It's going to be visible. It's going to be seen. It's the initiation of something Plutonian that is getting Saturn, taskmaster, energy, drawn over to it. So it basically means what's been lurking under the surface is coming out and we're beginning to kind of um, do the work and do the due diligence that we need to around it. Now, collectively on a planetary scale, who knows what this time will bring, maybe things that we don't even know about until many years later. Um, but 
there are also things that could be coming up for us personally. And very often that's where our attention is typically drawn in transits like this. We may be drawn out by something that may happen during this conjunction. That's a very big deal. Um, but really, um, it's time to make shifts to our lives and we'll be called into that in a personal way. It's time to really make changes. That's a very big part of this and collectively we'll see, you know, it's a very big deal. Um, as I've been mentioning, it's really like time has run out and we're really starting to see the shadow in terms of a collective experience of it. Um, it's a lot of hard stuff that we have to face and that's, you know, just 12 days into the new year, no big deal. <laughs> On January 13th, Venus enters Pisces. And there's so much more I could say about that, but I'm not an astrologer. So I'm going to only say what I know and say what makes sense to me. Venus enters Pisces um, just the day after that. So again, very strong, very beautiful, soft, um, a lot of deep emotional welling, really taking the Empress to the moon card. So really bringing our sense of receiving, opening our sense of receiving to the mysteries of life, to the deeper levels of love, um, opening ourselves to be able to love through um, challenging pieces. That's really a huge part of this card. Um, Mercury entering Aquarius on January 16th. Um, then there's a new moon in Aquarius on January 24th. This is the start this year of a lot of planets beginning to shift over into Aquarius. We're moving into a far more radical time collectively, far more about um, things coming into play for all and having us have a mind that is really devoted to humanitarian efforts, really coming forward with that. And then on January 27th, Lilith enters Aries, which is a very big deal. Black Moon Lilith has been in Pisces for um, um, most of 2019. Um, Black Moon Lilith represents the collective shadow, or rather the personal, both personal and collective shadow of what you would call perhaps um, it's typically relegated to the idea of the divine feminine shadow, but of course we know that uh, feminine is not a word that applies to a lot of people. So we can think of it like our deepest sense of wildness, our deepest sense of um, power that runs through us. You know, Lilith was the first wife in the garden who left to basically do their own thing. Um, it's a wild paraphrasing of Lilith, <laughs> Lilith's journey, but you know what I mean? Um, that we get to come back home to this idea. And we've been all really um, focused in uh, Lilith, in Pisces, on the deepest parts of the emotional aspects of our being, what we carry in our body, what we've carried in the shadow of our lives. You know, again, this idea of this, what is the shadow of Pisces? Um, what's the shadow of Aries? What are we really exploring there? Um, are we taking up too much space? Are we too much? Are we too bright, too bold? Will we be loved if we're fully who we are? These are some of the things that Black Moon Lilith can bring up in the sign of Aries. So we'll really be able to see how that all flows and feels. Um, 
So in terms of the Wild Soul Collective tarot reading for the month of January, we have two cards for the month ahead that actually really got chosen randomly out of the deck. <laughs> and they are the Emperor, which is significant because 2020 is an Emperor year, and the Chariot, which is also significant because we just talked about it with regard to our Eclipse in Cancer. So these are our cards of the month. And it's so nice because it's like Emperors being like, hi, oh, let me help you really get into this energy. You know, like this is a big rebirth time. You'll need me. Um, Emperor is all about taking up that sacred space. It is the rebirth card. It is the mountain, the redwood. You know, you've heard me talk about this many times. Emperor is not the old father time warrior conqueror bullshit that we've, it's not even a man. It's not even gendered. It's not even a human. It's an essence, an eternal, infinite essence that is um, deeply a part of what we know in our soul, in our bodies. We remember the emperor. Um, it doesn't really even have a name. The sense of vastness and of bigness and the way that newborns scream when they're born and take up that space with that lung power. It's just all emperor and it's ruled by Aries. So this is one of the cards that will really be guiding us home this month is this idea of you have the right to be here. Because once we clear, here's the trick to this month and to really 2020, once we clear out the old stuff that keeps us sort of small, safe, locked in old cycles, slightly uncomfortable, but in a way that doesn't promote a lot of growth, once we understand those mechanisms and we really see, and everything this month is really like opening up our eyeballs and having us see so much more than we may have understood or even wanted to see. Um, once we understand that, then we realize that there's something lurking under the surface that's even more scary. What will happen to me when I actually know that I can do anything that I want? Like what, like now that I know that I don't have to be tied down to this. I don't have to be held back because of that. I don't have to spend more time in these old cycles. What, how could I do what I wanted to do? What if people don't like it? What if I fail? What if I'm rejected? You know, those things are way less, way more scary and confronting that void of, am I enough than any noise or chaos that we could you know, conjure up through continuing to do the same shit for 20 years, you know, which like we all have that. So it's not, we're not judging here, but the emperor is the whisper. It's the, like the earth beneath your feet. It's the fire from within that says you fucking came here to this planet. You have a right to be here. Nobody can hold you back from what you're meant to do. And the chariot coming in with the emperor basically says, hell yes to that. And I'm going to be here to help you let go of the trappings and the bullshit that feel really good to your ego, but are really not for you. They're really not for you. They've never been for you. If you really question what you truly want, that might be what your mother wants. That might be what you've thought is the thing that you should just do next, but you've never really brought a lot of conscious awareness to it. Do I actually desire this? Do I want this? What do I want? You know? And as the emperor draws us deeper and deeper into this is your one life 
in this body with this soul, you have destiny, show up with this destiny. It's going to become clearer and clearer, those chariots, where we actually, we think they look good, they are good, they're holding it all together, but we actually have to step away from them in order to walk into the wild woods and say, I think there may be something that fits better, but now I have to go through an undoing and a rewilding to get there. Very powerful invitations. What we're being invited to pay attention to, as in where? what's the meditation card? Where can we draw our energy back to again and again? King of Pentacles. Any king in the tarot is a leader. It teaches us how to step up, be in the world in a way that is public facing, even if it's on a very small scale. King of Pentacles says, if you desire to be a master in this world, if you desire to be paid for what you're meant to do, if you desire to step forward, be yourself. Be who you came here to be. Do not do it like that person. They are not doing it in the way that you really want to do it. They don't have to be wrong. They don't have to be a problem. It's just not you because only you can be you. King of Pentacles actually shows us that the things that we might think like, oh God, I could never say that. My, my clients would hate it are actually the things that gets your clients re-sparked with interest in your work. If you think like, I can never share this with people, it's actually the thing that winds up tripping off a million different sparklers and opening up different opportunities. It's the, the ability, the energy to be able to say, through being myself, I call in stability and support, you know? The other piece with 2020 on a whole and definitely emperor, and you will learn more about this in the threshold should you choose to sign up for it before it goes away in two days. Um, I had to think about that. <laughs> 2020 is all about foundations. It's all about stability. If you don't have roots in the soil underneath you, if your head or your hands or your roots are somehow tied up in other people or other cultures or other situations, you're, you're going you're gonna to get them yanked out pretty right good. So it's important. Root yourself down. You have the roots. You can do this. You can open, but you have to be you. You couldn't even be open to what wants to come through to you because you're off doing something that other people are doing for some of us, right? Um, for those of us who are really in that flow, continue. Just do you, do you, do not worry about trying to do it any kind of way. Just do what feels right for you. What are we learning together? Four of pentacles, body care, body boundary. 2020, let me tell you what, as a natal Aries, Aries don't apologize unless they really have something to apologize for. Obviously I'm, I apologize pretty easily. I think most people listening to this would agree. When I fuck up, I apologize and own it pretty readily. And that's true with Aries. But Aries at its highest form is humble and soft and very doggedly devoted to stepping up and shining a light and studying themselves. But they're also not going to apologize if they have to take space for them and it disappoints you. And that's something that's really important here too. 
as we kind of journey through a year of light Aries energy. Four of Pentacles is not greed. It's not gripping onto your pennies. Um, that's an old capitalist idea that we can throw right in the garbage where it belongs. 2020. Um, it is the fact that pentacles are not really about money at all. They're about soul work. They're about the body. They're about the earth. They're about our connection as bodies in a soul experience on this planet in alignment with what we're here to do. So um, the idea of four of pentacles comes back to this space that this is my body. You don't get access to me without my permission. You don't get access to me unless it's a yes for me. You don't own me. And unless you have my express permission, nah, you don't. You don't get me. It's not for you. The end. So what we're learning collectively is to stop apologizing or feeling bad or sacrificing our time, our physical bodies, when we do not get a yes to do so. These are times that we are going into that are so fucking transformative and intense. We need, will need to reprioritize self-sovereign care. Do not apologize if you don't want to see a certain person, if you don't want to hang, if you don't want to do X or Y or Z. Very important to be completely unapologetic. You can still be compassionate, totally unapologetic about what your body needs. Be clear about who you're breaking bread with, who you're spending your time with. You don't owe these people anything. You don't owe anybody anything unless you really want to owe them. And then I would say, think about why you feel that you owe them. Important. What are we clearing? The devil. Of course we are. Old bullshit. You should. You ought to. There's something wrong with you. You're not okay. It's not okay that you're thinking this. It's not okay that you're feeling that. Wrong, 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 and wrong. Wrong across the board. That whisper, that predatory whisper from the brain in our heads is a liar. Even if we are struggling, even if we do have thoughts that disturb us, even if we are on the path of recovery or on the path of sobriety or on the path of, you know, whatever addictive mechanism, if we do struggle to let go of somebody, if we do struggle with our minds, if we do struggle, it's about letting go of the fact that there's something wrong with it. That's the thing that keeps us chained to the devil is that there's something wrong with you. That's the underbelly of it. There's something wrong with you. It's enough to totally upend our lives. And that's what we're clearing out because it was wrong to begin with. It never was correct. And there's no more of that because that's actually what keeps us from being in our true soul essence. So we're afraid somebody's going to say, hey, you're wrong. You're bad. There's something wrong with you. And they're wrong. It's not true. You know, if we're really in our soul work, of course. What are we embracing? Queen of Pentacles and death. So 2020 is not a big death year. It's really kind of like a creation destruction energy, which is, it's, it's a rebirth energy. So it's a lot of birthing through death, birthing through death, birthing through death. Whereas 2019 has really been like a death, a death, <laughs> you know, a lot of like a death. Um, Queen of Pentacles, softness, connection with the earth, rebooting into what truly provides nourishment and care. 2020 is a very big year to get the body on point. Um, I don't say that to be flippant. I say that to just be, again, really blunt, that we're heading into times that are really, um, again, quite intense. And obviously there's um, a lot 
a lot of uh, limitations in terms of affordability of food, accessibility of food, or even clean water for those of us who, you know, are alive and on the planet right now. Um, what works for you right now, the fact that you're even like feeding yourself awake and alive, you deserve a medal, is it's very hard to be an alive person who feeds themselves. I, as somebody who has had, you know, eating disorders most of my life and CPTSD, which can make it very hard to eat, um, it's very challenging and often an invisible process that I think most people don't really understand. Um, but we will be gently guided. Queen of Pentacles is pretty gentle. We will be gently guided to pay closer attention to um, what works in the body and what doesn't work in the body around what we have access to, just paying attention, various things. Do certain foods, you know, actually do make me feel good? Do they make me feel nourished? Do they make me feel okay? Um, right now is like all can, you know, or like bagels, all that I can kind of keep down because of X, Y, Z, then bagels are, are deep medicine for you. And bagels are medicine to begin with. They are delicious. Um, but it's about undoing this paradigm of like, we have to eat a certain way. I'm really paying attention to the deepening our relationship with our bodies, like a one-on-one -on -one thing needs to know what the fuck you're eating. This is your body. Like you do you. It's, you know, important. We can reach out when we need the support and the help, but mainly it's just about paying attention to how it makes you feel around what you have access to. Um, so self-care, dropping further into earth, making time for nature. That's really important. And death, you know, again, in the astrology, in the energetics of this month, it, there's a lot of clearing and, um, it's cool and beautiful to embrace the energy of death, to be able to be like, yeah, bye, <laughs> you know, see you later. If you're not meant to be here, that's cool. Cause death is always ego death that opens us up to the expansion of temperance in line three. So there's a lot of power there that we can embrace. Whew. This is some month. I'm excited to experience it with all of you. I'm not quite sure what to expect. It should be interesting. Even though I just went through all that, it'll just be cool to see how it all shows up. Um, thank you so much for listening. As always, I love you all. Thank you for another beautiful year of, um, you know, podcast, podcasting. Thank you for the opportunity to learn in front of you and to get to serve you. And I'm happy that so many of you seem to still love this podcast and tune in means the world. Um, again, one final reminder, this is, uh, the threshold closes at midnight Eastern standard time on December 31st and, uh, inner voice, um, will be open for enrollment until January 9th. Um, I'm so excited about that offering. It's been changing so much even since it was announced. It's much more robust now, so it's cool. I'm very excited for those of you who want to go on an intuitive journey during this energy. I think it could be really nice. So all that information is in the show notes or it's on my website. Um, I love you. Thank you for being here. Happy New Year if this is your new year and uh, happy 2020. And I'll see you on Friday the 3rd for our next episode. Love you, wild souls. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to Tarot for the Wild Soul. This podcast was edited by Chase Voorhees. The podcast art is by Chelsea Iris Granger, and it is hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. 
For more about the podcast, visit wildsoulpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at Tarot for the Wild Soul. For more about me and my work, please visit lindsaymack.com. To support Tarot for the Wild Soul, please consider subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and leaving us a five-star review. It helps people find us and it is greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for being here.